0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy.
1: Fall Guy. the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right
0: now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read at PG 13.
2: Well, after an embarrassing loss to what has been described as an English development side, the Silver Ferns and Dame Nolan Taroa have major issues to remedy before their next uh, Tiny Jamison test tomorrow. The loss in Christchurch on Sunday was both shocking and scary for New Zealand netball, who had been criticising the English for sending a squad not fit for purpose to play the Silver Ferns' best outfit. So after a historically poor World Cup and now a, a new low at home, netball in this country and our pinnacle team faces a stark reality to overcome. Lisa Alexander is a former Australian player and coach. She's actually the most capped Diamonds coach leading them to 102, uh, 102 times with a winning percentage of over 80%. That is outstanding. Uh, she's been good enough to take our call this morning. Uh, Lisa, we're honoured to have you on our show uh, to talk a bit of netball because we're genuinely a wee bit worried about it.
1: Well, I love talking about netball and I'm very endeared to my Kiwi brothers and sisters. So we want, want netball getting strong there again, of course. <laughs>
2: Particularly embarrassing, uh, of course, uh, because our CEO, uh, for, uh, for better words, uh, perhaps uh, she might have wanted to take them back now, said uh, this, is not a, this is not good, sending it down a team of this nature. I mean, how is this going to be competitive? And they turn around and beat us. So uh, not a good sign. What did you make of that performance, Lisa?
1: Well, it didn't surprise me about the English um, squad. I know quite a few of the players because I actually had quite a lot to do with them. Um, at London Pulse when I was over there as performance director and, and I knew um, the strength of those players and they were just waiting for their opportunity with the English team. And, of course, the English team has a lot of you know, players that have you know, been around for quite a while, played a lot of tests. So it is much harder for them to get that rookie experience. Um, this presented an opportunity to them and they're the next step up. So they were hungry. Um, they're very well-skilled, well-drilled. They've had eight weeks, I think, of, of preparation for this series. So, you know, I think really the Silver Ferns probably took them a little bit lightly.
2: Well, they did come back at them in the last quarter. I think that's a fair reflection when they knew that um, they were in big trouble. But uh, maybe it's just a reflection of of, of where we're at. Now, we sent aside to uh, the World Championships in Cape Town, that, which, for all intents and purposes we thought was brilliantly prepared and up to the task. Uh, Australia were criticised, of course, because uh, they apparently were, had left it too long to play their state competition, their uh, their championship competition, and it didn't leave time for build-up. How wrong were we all?
1: Well, it's, it's a fine line in terms of preparation, that's for certain. I think what Australia had the advantage was the previous, you know, two years that... Initially, that squad had really had a lot of work together at different competitions. So when they did come together, part of the planning was that they weren't going to change much. They were criticised a little bit over here for not putting some players in that were more informed. But of course, you know, they've had the experience at international level that other players hadn't. So I think they chose wisely. Um, I was as surprised as anyone about New Zealand not getting in that top three, at least, um, particularly with the preparation they'd had in the previous couple of years. So I think, you know, the loss of Grace Newicki certainly, you know, stunted the Silver Ferns' chances, although it was surprising, really, that they didn't get further um, into the medals.
2: So when you look at the way we're playing, uh, Lisa, uh, can you isolate uh, anything in particular, that you notice has changed since, you know, perhaps, when you coached against uh, Nolan Taurua back in your time.
1: Um, I don't think so. I think everyone else has just improved a lot more um, at this at this sta- same stage, and that puts the question on whether you know New Zealand is doing the right thing in terms of having their competition without many imports or not allowing their players to play. Um, over the ditch in Australia, maybe that's not the way forward. And um, I don't think there's the same fear factor about the team that there was in the past. So, you know, I think there's certainly some opportunities for Netball New Zealand to think about perhaps having more of a mix of, of opportunities for their athletes to be playing in the world's best competition.
2: So, Lisa, are you suggesting perhaps this on an individual level or do you think from a team perspective there's opportunities for New Zealand to send franchises to Australia?
1: It could be that. Um, You know, I've certainly thought, and and I know the teams over here in Australia would love to have New Zealand back involved in in some sort of domestic competition. So I think more of that top-level pressured competition is what's needed. Um, And if you're playing kind of yourselves for three rounds, it it becomes, you know, you don't get quite the pressured situation that you would um, in a cutthroat competition. So I think having a mix of that would be probably the best outcome for Netball New Zealand.
2: Do you think at this stage, um, having just witnessed a world championship, that that the international netball model is working well?
1: Look, it's certainly improved. There's no doubt about that. African nations are coming, becoming better and better. Uh, the more resourcing that they get, the more opportunities, training, coaching that they get, they're going to just lift their uh, levels, which we're seeing. And they're also travelling around the world to play in different competitions as well. So I think that shows you that, you know, the global game is getting better. It's getting stronger. Certainly the English National uh, League is getting stronger. Um, I was very impressed when I was over there for my year with London Pulse. And they're doing a lot of work in the development area too, and that's happening at the English level. So I think that's another area that Netball New Zealand could explore a little bit more, is what are they doing in their talent pathways? Are they really preparing those athletes for the domestic competition and for international competition?
2: Mark Foster, who you will know well, and, uh, of course, Yvonne Wellering, uh, back here at home have been quite outspoken to the fact that we just don't have a hard enough edge about our competition on the domestic scene. Uh, how do you fix that? that? Uh, uh, is getting overseas talent the only way to fix that?
1: No, it's not the only way, but I think I, I do agree with him there's probably too many rounds of competition playing each other. So having, as I said before, that mix of perhaps um, some level of competition against Australian teams, Whether you allow some of your top level silver ferns to go and compete in the world's best competition in Australia, um, you know, that could be the answer there um, to ensure that you do have those pressure field matches because you can't just have one or two teams dominating the whole time and the rest sort of, you know, floating down the end. You've got to have a really top level competition that's going to cause that pressure week in, week out.
2: Can netball uh, survive um, in those capacities domestically with the amount of money it's got at the moment? I mean, is money a big issue?
1: Money's always an issue in sport, particularly for netball, um, because we're played primarily by women. Um, And so I think starting to have the competitions that we are encouraging men and boys to play netball as well, um, should strengthen the sport at grassroots level and right through to the very top level. So, you know, the way that we're doing, having the men's teams playing each other before Constellation Cup matches, etc., I think is a great thing for the sport and brings more money and sponsorship to the sport. Um, but I also think we need to we need to understand that other sports operate at losses as well. Um, mm. You know, we don't always have to be absolutely spot on uh, in terms we, we may need to expand to ensure and, and pay our athletes more to keep them in our sport rather than get them, you know, have them choosing other sports in preference to netball.
2: So uh, what, uh, I mean, we've got what the, uh, the Women's Rugby League competition. There's a little bit of women's rugby. Of course, football's on a high as a result of a wonderful performance by the Matildas. Um, Are they the competition areas you're thinking about? And and you're you're talking, what, at secondary school level, at school level there?
1: Oh, absolutely. It's becoming very much a concern for netball in Australia, um, the amount of competition that we have from other sports. And I assume it will be the same in New Zealand, where, you know, those sports, particularly cricket, um, as you said, soccer, But we also have AFL uh, women's as well, which is very Mm. entrenched in, you know, particularly in my state of Victoria. So those athletes are getting drawn to the game um, with, you know, high salaries and, you know, better, um, definitely better circumstances for them. And the level of professionalism around the teams is just increasing. So, you know, women and girls particularly have got lots of choices around what they're doing. So we can't just take, our athletes are granted and our numbers for granted. We've got to also look at making sure we pay our players um, at the same level as, as those other athletes.
2: Right, OK. So when you were coaching, you had a, a, a wonderful time, 10 years at the top uh, in Australian netball. How hands-on were you uh, when it came to the domestic competitions as such? Were you were you able to communicate with prospective players? Were you able to talk to coaches or did you have to sit back and wait until you'd selected your teams?
1: No, certainly part of uh, definitely my remit was to get out there into the states and territories, uh, to be working in the pathway. I sat and actually was a selector at one of our national titles um, back, you know, I think it was in 2018 or 2017. And I think it's really important that the national coach is fully involved in the pathway and also promoting the sport um, in the grassroots levels. That was definitely part of my job um, to grow the sport from not just the point of view of high performance but also as a brand in in Australia and and to be be a voice for netball as well in, in the sporting landscape. So I think it is extremely important.
2: It's interesting uh, because of uh, what happened to uh, the Wallabies yesterday. Everyone all of a sudden climbs in and says, right, uh, it's not that the, these players or, or Eddie Jones etc that should be blamed wholeheartedly for this because um, Australian rugby's broken at the levels down below. Is there a danger then that with uh, netball and, and the fact that you uh, quite convincingly won the World Championships that people might be complacent about netball in Australia?
1: Well, well, you know, it's It's really interesting how much attention is paid to the Wallabies not performing well, whereas you have the Diamonds performing really, really well, winning the world title and hardly getting any attention at all. Um, it just goes to show how, you know, the, that we've still got a way to go in recognising particularly women's sport and the excellence of it. So I know it's not quite the same in New Zealand. I know there's a lot more attention pla- paid to the Silver Ferns, which is why they're getting criticised now, and that's the thing. Mm. Once you get up there, you've got to take the criticism as well as, as well as the plaudits. Um, definitely, in Australia, particularly rugby union, is struggling because rugby league is just becoming so strong over here. And I know how well you know your Warriors went, um, getting to the preliminary final against the Broncos. So the, that sport is going from strength to strength in our country and that's taking away from those high-performance, um, you know, younger juniors coming through the pathway. I think rugby union grassroots is going quite well, but I think there's still a bit of a disconnect between the grassroots and the top level and how, how that's managed and how, um, I guess, it's looked after in terms of money and resources as well.
2: Lisa, when you look at the, the, uh, the kind of exposure the other sports get, particularly around about World Championship time or even, as you say, in, in your state of uh, Victoria, wall-to-wall coverage of, of AFL sport, male and female, um, do, you, uh, do you feel as if um, Netball gets a, a raw deal television-wise as well?
1: Yeah, we do, definitely. Um, the coverage, you know, we don't have a brown low like we are having we had last night here in, in Melbourne with the AFL. It's no, nowhere near as much coverage, wall-to-wall coverage. Not as many um, shows about uh, analysing netball, although definitely Fox has done a much better job um, the last couple of years with the Super Netball. So it's a matter of, um, you know, continuing to improve those steps, I think, SEN Radio getting involved uh, over here in Victoria with um, the new team and then having it on the radio every week, uh, those matches, will add to um, netball getting its you know, rightful place in the sporting landscape over here. So it's a matter of step by, a step-by-step step approach. It's also a matter of continuing to have our corporates over here supporting the game And understanding how big it is and how many women and girls actually do play it over here in Australia.
2: Just getting back to our situation at the moment, uh, we may well turn this around and and, uh, win quite comfortably in the next couple of matches. But uh, looking a little bit deeper into it, have we the quality at the moment uh, with what you see and have you got full, co- uh, full faith in uh, Dame Nolene? Because uh, Dame Nolene has never been questioned in this country. Um, her, her the way she goes about things, her record, etc. I mean, she's highly, highly rated. But you know, um, all coaches have their their span, their lifespan, and the game changes uh, in front of their very eyes. How do you see our netball and uh, that in those terms?
1: I definitely think you have still got the talent, and the talent is there. I think it's just. That first test, I think, really, England got the jump on New Zealand and perhaps weren't taken quite as seriously as they should have been. But now they'll be analysed within an inch. And, um, you know, certainly I expect the Silver Ferns and Dame Nolene to come back very, very hard in this next test and win. Um, But, you know, the English Roses won't go away. They're a young team, as you've seen. They're very highly skilled. They're very hungry. It's a matter of getting that hunger back in the silver ferns, and I'm certain that Dame Nolan can do that.
2: Well, Lisa, it's been terrific to catch up with you. Uh, Thanks for your your breakdown on uh, netball on both sides of the Tasman. Uh, uh, Nice to know that uh, uh, even though the World Championship uh, title is yours, you've still got uh, the same sort of issues that we face uh, with ours as well. Um, uh, Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you very much.
2: So uh, Lisa Alexander there, folks, out of Australia. Wonderful record. Ten years at the helm of the Diamonds with uh, an overview on uh, both sides of the Tasman. Actually, money a huge factor. Uh, money a huge factor. And recognition, it seems, too, Louis, as well. Uh, the fact that, you know, you can be a world champion over there uh, in a team sport, but you just simply don't get the recognition that perhaps uh, you're, worthy and, and, uh, you're worthy of. And, and uh, I think Lisa pointing to it there, basically, uh, was
0: a male-female thing. It's a whole ecosystem, really, isn't it? Because you can't have performance without investment, and investment – needs engagement and engagement needs performance. So it's kind of like that circle of life, isn't it, Smithy? Because if you think about it, you know, remember that story that came out a little bit earlier? You you alluded to it there. Um, the report that was commissioned in the, I think it was the Age or the City Morning Herald wrote that story. It was up to 4,000 people watching some super some games of Super Netball. That, that's, that's quite concerning and that's Australia. So then imagine here, and then so when you've got those sorts of figures, trying to find that broadcast deal and that revenue to be able to pump into your grassroots to make Make sure that that comes through to have teams that are performing at the top level to compete for the eyeballs with your AFLWs, your, your Matildas and your football Ferns. It is a real ecosystem. I thought Lisa laid that out um, beautifully there. And I mean, we don't have the answers. I just want the Ferns to, to, to oh, maybe they just take them lightly. Maybe maybe we're hitting the overreaction button. But off the back of that World Cup, you would think that there'd be zero complacency. Huh? Where's the room for I complacency?
2: Would, I would think that's the last thing you would ever do for Dame Noeline Taurua. Well, on the evidence of how much she works you, how hard she trains you, uh, the pride she's put in um, in terms of the, the wearing the uniform as such, I would think that would be the last thing she would allow is complacency. I, I just don't imagine that. Um, and, and sure, we came back big and strong. I mean, we, we overcame quite a big third, uh, fourth quarter deficit to almost steal that game um, and, you know, save some blushes. But but the fact the fact of the matter is that you know I I just I just don't under, don't understand why you have when you fl- finish fourth here you could have the wherewithal to be complacent about playing anyone
0: well, anyone what does what does that tell you about the the messaging then I mean and and Lisa said that she's got full faith in Dame Nolling to be able to get that hunger back into the Ferns players but it, it's kind of almost like the horses bolted that the as you point out where was the complacency how 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 no, no. I don't
2: know how – I honestly don't know how. Um, when you've – you know, we drew with South Africa. The writing was on the wall there. I think it was Uganda got within 10 or 12 goals of us. I mean, you know, the writing was on the wall at that point. I don't think there was one convincing display in, in the World Championship, one that you could walk away and say, yes,
0: that is, uh, that's the Silver Ferns. That's the brand of the Silver Ferns. Can I just ask you, Smithy? do you think that there's a case to be made that our netball teams, our domestic competition, need to be privatised? And so Super Rugby in Australia, too many teams. Five, way too many. And they need to, you know, they need to come under the umbrella. Um, do we need to go the other way? Like, look at the sales NBL with private investment into these teams and SEM, what Hutchie's done into this Melbourne team. Do, do they need a revamp? Do they need a shot on the arm like that? I would be amazed if they haven't looked at it.
2: Absolutely amazed at it. If you, then, then you run the risk of this. You run the risk of uh, making a really exciting competition uh, of maybe four to five teams by uh, cutting down the number of teams we've got. Uh, but then you lessen the pathways as well. Mm-hmm. And then, you, then you, you shut off the opportunity for people in the provinces in particular. Chase, you know, t- 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 for instance, you took away um, netball out of Invercargill at that level. I mean, what would that do? That's a very proud netball province. What would that do to uh, young ladies, uh, young schoolgirls, et cetera, in terms of, I mean, they flock to that stadium. That's one of the highlights of their sporting calendar. If you took that away from them and said, well, you're not going to be part of this four- or five-team franchise because we need to narrow it, we need to make it available, merchandisable, et cetera, uh, but you're not part of it,
0: what would that do? I mean, what would that do? It's a great great point. It's probably not, yeah, when you put it like that, that that doesn't seem like the solution. It's a tough one. I mean, sure somebody smarter than us has got the ideas out there. Double eight, double three, eh?
2: Yeah, double eight, double three. Uh, I'd love to hear from you.